Hey everybody, the con artist here for our bonus track for winter. We're going to be wrapping up some of the stuff that uh, we didn't get to wrap up in the last cast. And Brendan is back from Japan to tell us all about his stuff. So we're going to start with him. Brendan, how's the, the cheapest of the cheap? Kimono Friends is delightful. Um, like, it's cheap, but you can tell that the uh, like the people working on it, like, really enjoyed what they were up to uh it's got like charm or heart or some other uh like some other je ne sais quoi like warm fuzzy feeling oh yeah now did they uh did they delve further into the mystery yeah i was about to say there better be some explanation going on about this post-apocalyptic thingamajiggies that keep getting hinted at Please so what, tell me that it's a crossover with Attack on Titan or something. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the true secret of Kimono Friends. All of its budget went to Attack on Titan. I mean, I don't know about that, but uh, they did explain that like human, human, uh, the human park people eventually uh, ejected themselves because of the threats by the Ceruleans, which are things that... Uh, I wasn't a whole hundred percent sure how they got created. Like I think once it was hinted that they uh, were created by Sandstar that interacted with inorganic material, uh, and then there was this whole bit where there's a filter on the volcano that was misadjusted that was causing some of the ceruleans to get huge and you know super dangerous. So and, an outbreak of slimes is essentially the answer. I mean, basically gremlins. <laughs> and so, like, they just like essentially abandoned the park. Yes. Okay. And is this also what created the friends? Well, no. The Sandstar creates the fringe whenever it interacts with, like, if when the volcano blows up and blows Sandstar onto the island, and a piece of Sandstar comes into contact with a animal, it turns it into a friends. Okay. Uh, wow. And all did right. uh, did our human friend find all the things he was looking for? She. She. Um. Uh, except for more humans. Friends. Except for more humans. One but uh, no, the the enemy. <laughs> no, the enemy ends on a on a hopeful note. Okay. And like, um, one thing I will mention because I, like, the uh, the last time I was here, I actually hadn't seen, uh, whatever the current episode was at the time, and wow, the implications of that episode were that they are actually wearing clothes. The friends. Yes, they don't know that because they don't know what clothes are. But you know, when they go to the hot spring, it turns out like they can actually take most of that off. So if they don't understand the idea of clothes, uh, do they like? How do they repair the, them? How do they know they, how to take them yeah, off? Yeah, they just. And how do they know they need to put them on? Like, and know that societally they need to walk around in them. Well, they. No, that's just like when when they got turned into a friends that they already had clothes on. That's how it works. Huh. Okay. Man, I don't... Th <laughs> this is going way more deep than... The show. Than, yeah. Brendan, Fair give enough. us your professional academic analysis of your PhD thesis on Kimono Friends. They're, um... It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they had a big showdown with this giant Cerulean in the last episode, and there was all kinds of callbacks to, like, all the episodes. It was great. 
Sounds like they, they made do with what they had and really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a good uh it was a good show. Entertainment on a budget. There we go. Now did it end on like we're definitely getting a season two, here's more mystery or Um It sort of ended on, hey, I can kind of see another island in the distance. Let's go there. Oh. Okay. So All maybe. Right. They're leaving the door open. Yep. Cool. Uh well, Scott, I think you probably have the most to cover besides Brendan. Uh, so why don't you go next? What uh, what sure. else have you been following? Well, uh, I mean, so last uh, season I was following Gundam, and you heard all about it on the Rolling, like the Rolling Review, the, the weekly cast there. Uh, so I did continue watching it, and it finished uh, this season. It stayed like pretty much excellent throughout, uh, including the ending. So it was a good ending. Uh, Top notch animation and. Pretty much a really gripping story all the way through. Hmm. Uh, like they put the the protagonist through a lot of very difficult times and a lot of sort of political manipulation and stuff going on by the two sides. Like it was never clear who the villain is. Both sides are kind of gray. Uh, but they did a good job. Uh, the only thing I'll say, I guess, against it is, as I was sort of saying last season, it didn't really seem like the... Uh, female characters were getting all that much screen time but which i mean like the, the big ones like like kudalia or atra uh hmm. there are there are mecha pilots that are that are women in the show that get plenty of screen time but kudalia was sort of like the the soft side of things and she never really got any play in the second season that's unfortunate but at the same time i'd say that's probably an overall uh improvement for gundam which has been historically very bad at including women pilots yeah, no, I, had... I actually can't name a Gundam that includes a woman pilot. Well, wait, wait, Wing had women pilots, so the, but yeah, never Wing, piloting Wing technically the... a pilot. So that's true, but never piloting the Gundams. Yeah, what well, about I don't G Gundam? G Gundam was one of the odd exceptions. Yes, G Gundam totally Rain totally piloted that thing, and Allen B totally piloted that thing. Yes. So <laughs> anyway, uh, my fangirling of that show aside, uh. the. Now, Scott, there was was there only ever one Gundam even through this whole thing, uh, like the whole show, or did they end up getting more Gundams? I mean, the the main team ended like the you know the guys were following Tekadin had one Gundam throughout the show. It got an upgrade, but that was about. It. I mean, they had other powerful robots, uh, certainly like the unique ones that weren't just mass produced models. That they had those too. But as far as the like Gundam Gundams, there was only the one. Well, they only had the one. I'm trying to think like. Everyone had its own name and they rarely referred to them as Gundams. I feel like like there was a special suit that the guy who founded Galahorn had, but it's unclear if it's actually a Gundam or just a really fancy like robot. Huh. So maybe that was a Gundam, and also maybe one of the other characters had a Gundam, but they didn't make a big deal out of whether or not they were Gundams. Hmm. Like Gundams are okay. are the Gundams do have a plot role, but they aren't necessarily like significantly better than other robots they're not the be all end all like they are in a lot of the other shows okay yeah right. i was about to say we've come a long way from something like like exia or or stuff like that because or or even wing because the gundams were incredibly overpowered in those things right i would say it's close to something like oh wait the mess team where they are like they're they're a cut above but they're not invulnerable nice so yeah good show that i can definitely That's a good recommend show to follow yeah hmm. if you're gonna steal from from one of them, eighth MS team is a good choice. Definitely. Yeah, well, just just for Gundam toughness, I guess, uh, not, right. not necessarily for themes. Yeah. Well, at least 
stealing the idea of making them somewhat vulnerable. So that's yeah. that's a nice change of pace. Well, I'm glad it was good, and I'm I'm not totally surprised that a lot, quite a few of the female characters get shelved. But like yeah, Dan like says, it's been end. a while since women piloted anything in in those uh, in those things in the in the Gundam shows, I should say. Yeah, well, they had they had some pretty good pilots, and and I mean the the you know Cadelia and so on came in at the end to help clean a lot of stuff up, but they weren't really big players for most of the season. But anyway, yes, recommended highly. Very cool. How about uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. We'll have some some a closeout to the emotional drama that is Casey oh, yeah. Honkai. So I, I didn't get to wrap up last time. I'll be talking about episode twelve, which is the finale. Um, twelve was was awesome. It really was. So I mentioned last time that. Uh, Hanabi and Mugi hadn't seen each other all summer and they're kind of still dodging each other even now that they're back in school for the fall semester and they both run away from helping with the school festival and like are hiding in one of the buildings and they find each other and they just there's this whole sequence where they narrate over themselves talking and they're like and then we talked about everything we talked about our summer we talked about our pain we talked about everything and we used our words for the very first time to convey emotion. So one of the the big themes that I didn't outright say, but I imagine you guys got, is that everybody was trying to fill a void or express their emotions through physical actions. And this, it, it's either, you know, sexual or aggressive or something of that nature. It was it was usually sexual, but everyone was always using physicality to express an emotion and it was getting them nowhere so for the very first time these two characters actually talk it out and despite the fact that i i think they have they're still bonded they realize that they've been through too much together to actually love each other right now or try anything right now so the the finale of the episode is them like walking in opposite directions kind of sad about it but also like for a mature, healthy relationship, for me to love someone else ever again, I can't, it can't be you. There's just too much damage and too much history in here over the course of, of this show. And I was like, wow, show, way to continue to wrap up on a super emotional charge. I was say it's so a pretty mature end, theme right there. Yeah, yeah, it was just shocking. And like, so in the end, everybody did not get therapy, but they, they talked to each other. There was talk therapy, kind of, with each other. I am... I, I am so impressed with this show. It really, it, it handles such mature themes and it handles them with a lot of care. And either the author did a lot of homework to figure this out or is working out something very personal in a very strong way. So I highly recommend this show if you've been even mildly interested in anything I've been talking about. Because it's very unique. It's beautifully animated. It expresses its themes well, both artistically and and just by dialogue, so high, high on the recommendation list. It crushes your soul a little bit, but it's a great show. <laughs> huh. well, right, well, well, some people for the drama. Some people, uh, some people watch depressing anime. Some people play Dark Souls. We all have to get a little bit of masochism in now and then. Yeah, we all gotta, we all gotta hurt a little bit. Hmm. Very cool. Well, glad to hear, uh, glad to hear that it ended on that kind of bittersweet note. But uh, it sounds like at least you know, the characters are uh, looking ahead towards their future and actually may have a chance of something resembling normalcy. It's true. And I was like, well done, everyone, everyone in this show. So in the end, everyone understood that they too could buy a Danish from the school store and it could still taste good. Oh. 
Thank, Thank goodness for that. Goodness. All right. Well, what do you got for us, Dan? Well, I didn't follow a whole heck of a lot else besides what uh, we have been talking about so far uh, last season, but the other show that uh, Sue and I had both followed a few seasons ago and really impressed us at the time was uh, Showa Genroku uh, Rakugo Shinju, which... Everyone should watch this show. It's yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Now, I'll, and by all means, like, this is not something you can skip season one on. Like, season two picks up... Not immediately, but very the the plot is absolutely reliant on you understanding what happened in the first season. So after the events of season one, we have a bit of a big time skip uh, as the character who we, we were introduced to the story from. In the first season, uh, there was this former convict who gets out of jail and goes to a Rakugo performers, which is sort of like a Japanese one-man show, usually does, like, fables and short stories, and it's all perform. They perform all of the characters, all of the roles, and they also do pretty much the entire performance while kneeling. So it's a very interesting but very restrictive form of performance. Um, and he had been listening to this while he was in jail and was really impressed by it, went to this one old master to become his apprentice, and the master basically all but threw him out on his ear, but said, I will consider your I can consider your apprenticeship if you listen to my story. And that was the framing device for season one, talking all about his past. Now season two picks up many years after that, where this uh, convict has become a Raku performer, you know, in and of himself. He's rising through the ranks, he's doing really well, he's got his own he's got his own flair, and uh the old the guy is now even older than he was and is racked with regret over the things that have happened in his life and the things that he directly or indirectly caused to happen to others. He lost two of his uh two of the people who were most important to him uh when he was younger and it you know it follows him to this day and the show does an amazing job of grappling with mortality, guilt, uh the just the really strange ways that emotions of affection and hate can mingle and kind of overwhelm your senses when it comes to specific people that have had major impact on your life. And mm. wow, just it is one of the most emotional shows I have ever I've ever seen. And I don't tear up on a lot of things, but the ending of this uh, the ending of this season definitely uh, jerked a few. It's it's a very powerfully written show. It's just, I mean, Dan, I don't, don't want to put words into how you felt about it, but I watched it and it just felt like a documentary to me. I remember season one, it, it felt like I was being told a, a documentary of a real person because they pour that much energy and that much effort into telling you all about this guy's life and his his struggles and his difficulty and it's all just handled so masterfully like i haven't seen a show right this good since you know like i, I probably want i i kept comparing it to victorian romance emma because it's handled with that level of like we really want to weave a very well-connected, well-told story together with all of these different people and all these different emotions. It's, and it's and the just other thing, so good. Absolutely. And the other thing that it bears in uh, similarity to that particular show, and there are other shows that do this as well, is that it doesn't skip over anything. Even with these major like time skips, 
all of the important beats of this character's life are laid bare for you. And it gives you a... I don't think I've ever understood how characters tick better than in this show. Like, everything about them, everything about them, it's like, I know exactly why this person is making this decision. Which means that it's sometimes, there's a little bit of, I guess, a lack of mystery. But I don't care because I enjoy watching these people so much. They're so interesting and so well, you know, so well-rounded, so thoroughly uh, described that it just, it's very hard to beat it. incredibly human. I mean, you want to watch a show that blows the term trope clean out of the water it's this like these are real people in a way somebody clearly understood you know what it means to be human and pulled all that into this show so oh it's it's just it's just masterful that's really the word i have for it it's it's amazingly executed it's it's a show that was clearly created without going man how are we going to merchandise this show (laughs) and it showcases an art in japan i mean i had no idea what rakugo was before going in it just it looks like a period piece and i was like man i kind of miss period pieces oh boy like what a show you get way more than you bargained for yes you do you get a lot out of this show so i tragically have not seen any of season two i, I burned out pretty hard during Genericon. i couldn't fit it in but uh, <laughs> yeah. so i i don't have much to add for season two but oh my gosh the show is so good yeah Definite, definite recommendation for both seasons, so definitely catch up on it when you have some downtime between other stuff. And just a fair warning to everyone, because it is, goes into so much detail and elaborates so much on uh, the lives of all of the people that uh, it's following, there are going to be times where it's going to feel like it drags. There's never... I won't say there's never a dull moment, but it's always interesting. It's just that depending on what you're in it for, your mileage may vary. Just set your expectations that this is like a living documentary, and that will determine how much enjoyment you get out of it. If you like that sort of thing, then by all means, jump on it. Otherwise, you know, just you've been warned. It's going to be it's going to move at its own pace and it's going to be very deliberate. I still feel like you'll enjoy it. Because, Dan, like you said, you just get so invested in these people. Very true. So, it's a it's a really great choice. All right. So, now that we have wittered on about that for way too long. Um, and how awesome it is. How, how about them Kobayashi and Friends? <laughs> well, they don't reach, I, I doubt, uh, the high drama that you've, y'all have talked about in the last couple of shows. But, uh, like, the finale of Dragon Maid... Uh, like tries to go for some drama of its own Hmm. where uh, like they break out again, the fact that Kobayashi herself as a human is not even close to going to uh, live as long as Toru. Uh, And that becomes like sort of a, uh, a point of doubt as far as their like relationships, such as it is. Uh, That's fair. And also, her dad, the Emperor of Demise, like comes into the world and <laughs> basically pulls her back. Oh, that's all right then. <laughs> that guy's got a name on him. I was gonna say, I want to follow that guy. Is screw he, every, is screw he everyone else. With Glinda's dad. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I just want to see him. Rec- I just want to watch an entire episode of him reclining upon an obsidian throne, dismissively <laughs> giving orders to underlings. <laughs> Trying to figure out how to get chaos to overthrow the forces of heaven or something. I forget exactly what the war is in their world. Eh, sure. Uh, they've referenced it a couple of times. Hmm. 
like Toru was born into the Chaos faction. <laughs> and, Sounds like a good faction to join. I mean, no argument here. <laughs> and apparently it's to go to Earth on your days off, so. Well, no, it doesn't, which is why oh. he dragged her back. <laughs> but they're, they're, uh, they have a big, like, argument with, uh, with the three of them. And it ends on a pretty nice note as well. Oh, good. Now, Brendan, I have to know, I thought of you because I was on ANN and and I read this article all about how this show talks about big themes like uh, mixed families and immigration in particular. There was this whole article all about that. Did you feel like you got those kind of themes out of it? Because it was after you had talked about how you know, there was some dramatic dialogue that Toru has about not wanting to go back to the other world and people telling her that, you know, she's going to outlive Koyashi and all that stuff. And I, I read that article just because of you, but I am curious, did it really take it to that level? I mean, not, it wasn't as explicit as all that. Like, it, uh, like it, the theme of a, uh, a patchwork family of, immigrants like is sort of there because that is what it's about uh like they don't go into a i mean hmm. i mean the dad throws a lot of stuff around about how she can't live in the human world largely because of its ramifications on their world or like what would happen if more uh like entities from their world like come in here uh because she's setting precedent or something, uh, uh, less or, or and and you know and then like because of that like w- what kind of consequences that would have over here? So more about emigration than immigration, I suppose. Sort of. Okay. Well, I, I was just curious what your thoughts were on on that. But it, like it paints a it paints a nice picture of a uh, like. I mean, non-traditional I mean, family. Oh, absolutely non-traditional. <laughs> Well, that's still a nice theme, and it, definitely not what I expected when you first started talking about it. I literally just expected it to be like, dragons moved into my house, and then mm. chaotic stuff happened. And then shenanigans? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so whatever happened with the uh, like the uh, the elementary school girl and the other girl? Uh, I mean, Really? You're going to ask about the creep factor? Yeah, I mean, did, I mean, it, did it creep all the way out or not? It, it it did not again achieve the level of creepiness that it had achieved in episode six. That oh. was the high water mark, oh. <laughs> or the low uh, water mark, depending on then. how you look at it. Like the uh, for the rest of the show, basically she still uh, bursts into like floating hearts whenever she's in physical contact with Kana, but that's pretty much it. Hmm. And Shota continues to be haunted by the you know, giant boobs that float around his household. But it, like, <laughs> e- even that wasn't as bad as what happened at episode six. I got gotcha. the show. Oh, so it's episode well, six. That's, that's like good. they took a, they took a, a quick break from making a good show and then they, they came back. And then episode seven was quote, the fan service episode and quote, wait, <laughs> it wasn't nearly quote, as bad as six. I don't think, it, I don't think it was, well, no, it was actually, that is actually a direct quote. Isn't that the title? Um, that's not the title. Oh. It, it has a subtitle, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah. I mean, well, the, I mean, the, the title of the show is the title of the episode is the fan service episode, frankly. <laughs> but the fact that it was not as you know cringe inducing as episode six says something, but I don't know what. <laughs> they, so overall, they recommended? were more, they yeah, were more on the mark. Overall, yeah, 
yeah, it's a, it's a cute show. There's a lot of like, I don't know if hijinks is the right word. Uh, like a lot of slice um, of life jinx. Oh, that's definitely it. Like there's a lot of Toru sort of pining after Kobayashi, but like she's made her attentions clear. Kobayashi is not like, doesn't appear to be romantically interested in her at all. And they get by. Nice. Hmm. Good work, Kobayashi. She's like, you can be my maid. And Tobor's like, that's great. I'm going to do that. And she's like, okay. That's and good. then they did. We'll leave it at that's that. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I would have cared that much if they had, quote unquote, reciprocated each other's feelings. But I, I think had it been something like Kobayashi got forced into that relationship, that would have bothered me a bit. Hmm. Well done, show. So, Scott, is it time? Oh, uh, I don't know. I got something else to cover first. All right, fine. I think we'll, we'll get to uh, the big event in a minute. But, Scott, uh, d- Scott performs his Matrix dodge. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, yeah, so actually, I also followed uh, Konosuba Season 2 you know, this season. So for those who don't know, Konosuba is basically the traditional story of someone from our world that gets sucked into a, an RPG world. Uh, but it takes a lot of sort of non-traditional aspects of it. Like it's a comedy show through and through. And it's uh, it's one of those relatively rare anime comedies that actually had me chuckling pretty much every episode. Like it's not highbrow humor. It is often super dumb, but it gets me to laugh anyway. And the characters are all good. Like he adventures with, I don't know, like a, like a goddess who is almost useless in all situations and often causes them more trouble than usual. Uh, or that they'd have without her, I guess. Uh, the crusader who loves taking damage but can never attack anything, like is terrible at that. And their mage who only likes to use one spell that leaves her useless afterwards. So they're like the worst team. And together they me go of that on. One time you guys had me read a little bit of Cucumber Quest, like with the the oracle, and she's like, "Go do this thing," and the lead character's like, "It's is that it?" And she's like, "Yeah, that's pretty much it. Bye." <laughs> like, thanks, <laughs> goddess, who's not useful at all. Yeah, what's kind of weird about the show is like it just sort of daughters around. Like, you think there's going to be a plot at the beginning. Like, they get there's a huge amount of debt and they have to work to pay off the debt. And there's quests that you can take to get money. I'm like, so all it's right, or the anime, or the anime. Like, I understand the concept, except they do like actual adventuring rather than selling stuff. And then, like, something happens that just like they basically pay off their entire debt in like a random episode, and then the rest of the show is just kind of them adventure around <laughs> like going places seeing stuff occasionally fighting people uh fending off the uh ministrations of an extremely uh adamant cult oh that was those episodes are quite good they go to they go to the goddesses like essentially where her her fate her followers are and they are you know like extremely aggressive about getting you to join their cult like jehovah's witnesses only more cunning well <laughs> right, i use like... cunning in air quotes Right, like, they just keep trying to trick people into signing paperwork to join the cult, or, like, there's rewards you can get if you join the cult. So or it's like, like the Book of Mormon episode. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, two episodes of this, and it, it was always funny. Like, it just kept getting better. So, Konosuba made me laugh. It isn't, it isn't a smart show, uh, but I like the characters in the premise. So, it ended after ten episodes, like, randomly in the middle of the season, kind of. Huh. So here's hoping it gets more. Like they did accomplish, like there was a, a you know an arc that completed, but uh, I do hope there's more of it. Like it's fun to watch. Uh, it seems like it's leaving the door open based on its structure. So who knows? Right, and I mean characters from the show are consistently rated pretty highly on people's lists. So I think it's pretty popular. We'll see what it gets. 
Well, there you have it. Well, now it might be time. Uh, no, not it's... quite yet. <gasps> not oh, quite. Because, because Brennan, I think you have one no, more show to finish no, up. No, it's Sue's turn. Oh. And sh- and she watched it. Didn't you, Sue? I did. I did. It was, it was, oh my gosh, this show was so bad. Well, we wanted it for the grand finale, Brendan, so if you have one more. Oh, oh, well, in that case, I uh, I also, at, like the very first bi-weekly cast, I hadn't seen any Dragon Maid yet, so I was talking about uh, Demi-Chin, or interviews with Monster Girls, depending on how you want to refer to it. And that proceeded to be a pretty decent show in its own right, which was also like, uh, also putting out the themes of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, different, different like fantasy races in the real world. Like how uh, real world are we talking? Is this like gate kind of? No, it was, uh, Debbie Chan was about like three monster girls going to high school. No. Oh. Just like as random mutations. Uh, like it turns out that if you uh, if you roll the dice poorly on your character creation, you just turn into a dull hand. Ah. Whoops! That seems <laughs> like it would make life difficult. Uh, kind of. I mean, like, how do you even like, how do you even like stop? Like, what is a baby dull hand? Like, how do you like? Oh no! There's that's so an excellent problems. question. <laughs> I have no idea how they handled it. Is that one of the questions in the interview? No. <laughs> so, what been. was growing up like? Difficult. <laughs> harrowing <laughs> like there's a couple of different like weird contraptions around her house that she uses to strap her head into um so well, the idea new. that they like is the idea that like they thought of what it would be like to live as these people is that kind of the uh kind of the idea there kind of yeah uh <laughs> and and it's yeah it's it's kind of like them trying to make peace with how different they are from other people and, you know, like integrate into their high school life. How's that work uh, out for them? Uh, it ends up working out pretty well. Uh, due in part, and I'm not sure how much of a part, but to like the, uh, the attention of this biology teacher who is, you know, very interested in like how their anatomy functions sort of, that's a bad way to put it, but like ends up being, like more interest, like interested in seeing these girls like grow up, kind mm. of. Like they never, he's he's always very careful to not like overstep his bounds. Look like he's creeping on him. Right, right. Like the, uh, I think the uh, the last episode, he opens up the pool for them, and then he's like, "So I'm gonna let you girls do your girl thing, and I'm going to leave." <laughs> Very good. So he doesn't have that like police song playing over him. <laughs> I'm just going. To, I'm just going to be in another postcode for the next hour. Or so. Uh... Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, he tries. Good That's on good. him. Good. Okay. He's like, nope. I've seen this series. I know where this goes. <laughs> Man, I know this police song. No. So. No, but like. That I mean, pretty good then. Like the uh, a couple of the girls and the. Uh, there's a teacher who is a succubus are are sort of interested in him at a, at a level that comes up frequently in the show. But, uh, like, you know, I, I sort of wonder how that would work out if like the genders were reversed. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it ends up being like, it, it's not, it's not like lurid or distracting or anything. 
Well, that's oh. good. Well, that certainly works out well. So now, recommended? Is the... I was going to say, is the whole show kind of like a... Like, does it actually take into consideration sort of the logistics of how a person would have to function if their their head is being carried around with them? Or was it kind of like silly little things? Uh, some of both. Um... Like in one of the early episodes, he petitions the uh, the principal to allow her to wear a backpack instead of having to carry all her stuff around in addition to her head. Uh, and like I said, there's a couple of different like things where it shows how she functions, like doing like doing normal stuff except having her head off to the side. Hmm. Interesting. So in the end, do you think people should watch it? Yeah, I rather enjoyed it. Uh, it's a pretty chill show about. Um, like investigating demi humans, I guess. Uh, and I couldn't, I can't find any like significant fault with it. Oh, well, there you go. Some Definitely good stuff. Like there was a weird part in the middle where it, it alluded to more stuff that was going on, like regarding succubuses, but then it never came back to that. So I wasn't really sure, if, like, if they were trying to set up something that gets worked in later in the source material or not. But like beyond that, it all uh, it comes together relatively well. All right, then. Very nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the hour is upon us. It's finally time. Oh, yes. It's oh, classicaloid. Yeah. Classicaloids. All right. Bah, 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 bah. Man, so I had to, like, blitz no, watch No, Dan, the no, Dan, no. The saga dun, 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 of me dun, watching dun. the show is, is, is pretty great. So I, I got so behind on this show and every time i'd go to throw it on i'd get a stomach ache and so instead <laughs> i would put on freaking because it it came out on saturday along with march comes in like a lion and i was like but that show's so much better Boop. and i would throw that one on and then i just wouldn't watch classical Lights. well thanks classical and right you were to do that yeah, and then finally it hit the point where I was like, "Oh my gosh, we're coming to the end of the season. I have to, I have to do this." <laughs> the time of reckoning. Yeah, you know, it felt like one of those, uh, Dan, one of those things where it's like that military training, you know, where you always see the people desperate to cross the finish line because it's been like three days or something. <laughs> that awful training they go through. Ah, uh, yes, the I have the deepest respect stuff. for those people. I am not like alluding to that, but what I'm saying, it felt like that. I was just like, oh. <laughs> As I desperately attempted to watch, you crawled watch across this, the finish line. This this terrible show. I just imagine you on the in couch, like you on the couch with like a bottle of Pepto Bismol in one hand and a bottle of Scotch in the other. Yeah, and like the freaking Rocky song is playing over me. <laughs> it's like dun, 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 dun. all right. So let's anyway, let's cover let's, some let's... highlights from yeah. season two. So I, I mean, Scott, I'd like to skip. Because we're going to be talking about, what, episodes 20 through 25, I think, right? Yeah, pretty much. I think you talked about 19 That's last true. time a little bit, which was the Swan Lake episode. But, um, so, it, holy crap, the show is just so awful. So, <laughs> so let's through some of it. Like, episode 20, I you, you didn't think Mozart could be a more awful character. And God, he's he the is. worst. He's so the worst. So, he's a prankster, and it turns out that he... Like, everyone's getting sick of him. So, like, Mozart, you better stop these pranks. We're sick of your face. So he's like, all right, I'm going to be good now. 
and it drives him so nuts that he needs to leave the house. And so then all of a sudden, for some reason, they get worried about him. Like, Mozart hasn't come back in three days. Let's go find and him. And instead of being like, this is the best time of our lives, yes, let's take advantage of it. find him. What are you guys doing? You idiots. So it turns out that he has, like, spontaneous bad luck seepage. Because he can't pull pranks, just getting close to him causes pranks to spontaneously occur just like oh banana peels appearing out of nowhere pots falling yeah, out like, of the sky yeah, people get like... hit by paint i will admit there was one part that cracked me up because mozart's walking off in the distance and everybody else has been beaten up and it's just schubert and kanai and schubert's like landlady we must get him we must stand up to this oh and he gets carried off by a giant kite which is an allusion <laughs> to something so he gets carried off by a giant kite and kanai is like schubert your speech was so meaningful i must and she stands up and like a teapot from out of nowhere just hits her in the head it's like Wadunk! and she's like i must follow him straight and then like a tray hits her on the head and i guess he had to be there it's like she's so determined and just random ass objects are falling on her from nowhere i just picture I like, her right, walk i just picture her like marching down the street after him and constantly stepping on rakes it's just yeah it's something like that it's so awful forever hmm. oh my gosh i'm gonna skip 22 because it's basically mozart gets or sorry beethoven gets obsessed with coffee uh, oh my goodness. Thing. Let me let me just tell you there's a scene where he steals one of those like spring like you ride the little spring animals at the park. Like he steals it from children and yeah, then defends it using dodgeball. Like that's all you need to know about this episode. Yeah, that's what you need. That's yeah, exactly. That's what you need to know. Oh my Oy. gosh, Beethoven. I hate him so much. So then we we still we hit the finale. Yeah, let's get into the meat of this thing. Yeah, I mean, don't don't even mention the last episode until no. we get there, because the two no, no, episodes no. preceding it are still so ridiculous. Yeah, so it turns out this is gigantor machine. And and this is what Bach has been planning this entire time. He wanted to refine the music of the other classical Lloyds, and now he wants to bring them all together to sit in this machine and like the super octavus. harmonize dun, the dun, octavus dun. And, and harmonize the world or whatever. And so he's like, all right, it's time to enact my plan. So they they go off. They're trying to kidnap all the classical Lloyds and bring them back, and they can't. The classical Lloyds are basically like, nah. Yeah, no, they just beat them up with their music and just go off, you know, continuing to do their, their garbage things in their day. And so Bach is like, ugh. And so Mitsuru... Who's been working assistant. on an evil plan this whole time. This whole time comes out and she's like, Bach-sama, don't worry about those losers. I made robot versions of them that can also use music. And it's like, uh, uh okay. So he's like, all right. So they get he puts these robots into the Octavus... And it turns out she had a sneaky plan all along. Instead of harmonizing the world with this, these eight famous composers, she turns everybody into Bach. Like, she loves so, Bach so much that she's like, his music is the best. No other music can compare. Everyone's going to be Bach forever. So she straps Bach into the machine and just starts playing Bach everywhere and wigs fall out of the sky, <laughs> possess people, and they're like... Oh, and glasses, too. Yeah. Allegro. Like, they all just wander around saying music terms. Yeah, they just say music terminology everywhere, and they just walk around like zombies. Yeah, and the handful of people who aren't hit by the wigs, like, the zombie people try to put wigs on them. Yeah, they just chase them around with the wigs, and they eventually just get to Kanai's mansion, and the classicaloids have to fight them, and it's it's just so stupid. (laughs) 
It's so stupid. The way you right. describe it, I can almost see this being funny, but somehow I don't think the delivery is as humorous as the setup sounds. Right. So, like, the team finally gets together. They go up to the thing, like the Octavus. They have kind of a showdown. And Box like, but my plan, I want everyone to communicate in music. Like, everyone will just communicate all the time with music. There'll be no words anymore. And they're like, yeah, it's dumb. Music won't be special anymore. And he's like, what a fool I've been. And, like, he's ba- yeah, they, they basically defeat him, I guess. Or, like, he's sort of defeated. He's, he, did, he understands the, the error of his ways. He's like, ah, well, thank goodness that's over. And that's when the alien showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's when the alien showed up. Because they have this moment beforehand where they talk about Voyager and how it has a golden CD on it with a collection of Earth's greatest composers and a whole bunch of other music. And they're like, ah, we sent this out into space. And so freaking Mozart and Beethoven are like, hey, Bach, when you were talking about how everybody would appreciate music, you said this really weird line that was like, even those from distant worlds. What were you joking? Ha ha ha, sci-fi, what a loser. And then the aliens show up at the end of episode 24, and you're like, the hell just happened. And, oh my gosh. So episode 25. There are aliens, and kind of like the movie Arrival, they appear in all these major areas around the Earth, Moscow, Beijing, uh, somewhere, I think somewhere in Africa, and like Japan, and all these different places, and they're like, you're, they, people are getting sucked into them, and there's a giant microphone in them, and so... They realize that what you're supposed to do, Bach is like, what we're supposed to do is welcome them with our song. So they but all the classicaloids is somewhere else, and the worst character in the show got sucked into one of them, and he's like, how about I do my amateur music at you? Oh, I did it man. myself on, like, a synthesizer. Oh, my God. So the aliens get angry. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, that's it. Destroy the Earth. Rightfully yeah. so. Yeah, so Bach is just like, we have to teach them music. So they get in to the Octavus, and they all start playing, and the aliens are appeased, okay? They're, They're like, like this yay, is great. music, this is good. Whoa. Wasn't there a then, Rick and Morty episode about this? Wait, 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 so then, then Dan, the, it stops, their music stops because the machine blows up. because yeah, The Octavus was pretty badly damaged in the regular fight, and like they could only repair it for a little while, so... So then the aliens get mad there's not more music. They're like, like, encore, encore, laser buildings. (laughs) So they start shooting buildings and sending out mass vibrations that like blow up the earth or whatever. It's, and you're like, what is even happening? And then awful guy, Sosuke, comes running back and he's like, I bet the aliens saved up their allowance and came all the way to earth just to Uh, listen to music. And you're like, stop talking. Just stop talking. Stop, please. And so the classicaloids turn freaking Sosuke and Kanai into these like <sighs> they like have go through a magical God. transformation and they shoot them up into the ship. Yeah, like like with Kanai the... fuses with her bird and a bunch of speakers to make what? speaker bird yeah, that speaker, she like rides. She's, like, riding the speaker bird. Dan. And like what's his face gets fused with his iPad. And some yeah, speakers he's, he's, to make like flying he's, like, iPad. Surfboarding on, he's like silver surfer in, and they fly into the alien ship. And there is a there. fairly ridiculously animated, like well animated, like Macross missile dodging sequence with like yeah, musical lasers. Yeah, because a lot lasers. of the episode is really ugly, and that that moment is really well animated. Yeah, like they put a lot of time into that. 
then they blow onto the ship, and then there's blob-like aliens, and they're like, encore, and they have little glow sticks. And then all the classicaloids, like, hologram appear, put on some sort of music show, and yeah, and then the aliens ask for their autograph, and then a horrible the- Sosuke signs it. And the Earth is saved. And the Earth is saved. They shoot like a la- rainbow lasers out, and everything's fixed. Oh, and this then, is the dumbest. It's just so dumb. And then everyone just goes back to what they're doing. I hate this show so and much. And then it was over, and we watched the whole thing. And I sat through the credits because I was like, Ah, it's finally done. Really done. But and then. then it was like season two coming in October. <laughs> and we were like, No, <laughs> no. why? Why? So guys, this There can't was be more of this. Like, come on. Yeah. Like if you had an episode where people turn into fish, you're out of ideas. <laughs> like, it's over, guys. Merleopont. Like Ladies Night was the highlight of the show. And that was like episode six. Yes, yes, it was. Everything and it was all was downhill from there. Forever. Right. Then it was like people turning into mandarin oranges and fish and, and like Schubert rapping, and it's just the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we're so bad. So in the end, friends, don't watch this show. Don't watch Classicaloid. Just don't, don't watch Classicaloid. It's so bad. It's so dumb. What were we uh, thinking? I don't know. I had to know. I had to know. It was the same thing I was thinking when I uh, when I watched Handshakers. How low can this bar be set? Uh, very, very low. low, it turns out. So bad. Well, friends, thanks for following along with us through winter. Uh, we're going to be taking a break, so there'll be no bi-weekly podcasts for the spring. Yep, but, although uh, honestly, looking at what's coming on in spring, it looks like kind of a lame offering anyway, so that's fine. Yeah, it's whatever. Probably a bunch of okay shows. Yeah, something like that. I mean, we'll keep doing our rolling review on Little Bit of Academia, though, so definitely follow along with that. It's the shining star of this season, certainly. Yes. Absolutely. All right, so there's that. So we'll catch you all in the summer. Yep. Have a good one, folks. Bye. This is a podcast by the con artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.